Welcome to Adventures of Therapy! I'm Andrea. And I'm Barrett. And we sound exactly the same sometimes. did a testing test 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 yeah and we couldn't tell the difference we listened to it like four times because we were trying to figure out who was who good stuff barrett how are you i'm good how are you doing i'm good i'm happy to be here my i did just find out oh i just found out the lights went out the lights went out that's so scary that's kind of interesting right when i'm talking about something kind of sad yeah weird hold on um huh and uh, the <laughs> lights are back on. The lights are back on. Uh, what I was saying was I just found out my brother's one of his best friends just committed suicide. So it's been a very, um, it's been kind of a sad day. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because my um, my guy on the phone said something about how it was cool that I got to do Adventures of Therapy, I got an outlet um, first to just talk to a friend and talk over stuff that are really important, but really helping with the stigmatism that is around mental health so that people can get help, um, and that doesn't happen. Huh, so I'm thinking of thinking of Jevin and thinking of my brother, but I'm really happy to be here too. I'm talking about therapy and mental health. And stuff that matters. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to bring out. Yeah. That being said. That's not. That's not a bring down. (laughs) That's not a bummer. I mean, it's a bummer. Yeah. But. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Really, though, I am happy to be here and talk about stuff that I enjoy talking about. And we have a fun episode. We actually do. I'm so excited for this episode. When we've been planning it, it's been, like, the episode I've been most excited about, which is interesting, because, well, the episode is... Well, it's interesting, because it's why you went to therapy. It's what took you to therapy in the first place. Number one, you're so right. Yeah, this is why I went to therapy, because I couldn't imagine having kids. And now, here I am, thinking about having kids, and my best friend, Barrett, is actually pregnant. (laughs) So... We are doing a pregnancy episode. Oh, the P word. We call it the P word because at first it was <laughs> thou shall not be named. Yeah. And now we're like, yay, pregnancy. And we really mean yay. And we mean yay. So through therapy, our perspective of pregnancy has really shifted. Me not being pregnant and you obviously have more to talk about on the subject. But, but not really changed. because... Yeah, but not really, but I I think for both of us, our, yeah, our perspective about pregnancy has shifted Mm -hmm. through therapy. And just so we're upfront, Mm -hmm. we, this is just our subjective experience. We're not teaching a class. It's just about therapy. And the cool thing about, like, the therapy part is the relationship and the reparative experience that we have with each other and you guys and the material. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we've... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you talk, they're all their own episode, but I mean, we've ran the gamut with our reproductive organs, be it abortions or morning after pills or freezing your eggs, HPV, STDs. Yeah, I've gone through all. almost all of them. Yeah, but again, <laughs> yeah. that could be a different episode. Which it should be because I love talking about STDs. <laughs> what? I do. I do. I have so many questions, but I guess I'll save it for the other episode that we will have called STDs in therapy. Barrett's favorite subject. No, I think if I if I were to take another if I were to take a new route, I would definitely go into um I would definitely go into women's health and be an OBG or a venereal disease doctor. See, okay, number one, I think you'd be phenomenal at it because you know your body so well, and I can't wait for you to say how you figured out that you were pregnant, and this is just proof of how well you know your body. And then also when you say venereal disease, it reminds me of that podcast, Root of Evil, George Hodel. That's why I said it. (laughs) You're the one who told me about it, so I figured you'd know. I figured that's why you said venereal disease. They call it VD. The VD. The VD doctor. Yep. 
Okay. Ugh, Anyhow. <laughs> Anyways, if you haven't listened to Root of Evil, oh, it's so good. Please about the do yourself Black a sick favor and fucking listen to it. If you like murder mysteries, yeah, and yeah. true crime, and stuff stories that you cannot make up. <laughs> you guys, it's so hot in here. It's really anyways, hot. I'm sweating. Me too. Um, woo! Okay. At least we have a little sanctuary to do the podcast, though. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Again. And again, this is our subjective experience on podcasts. We'll throw in a little, a few objective, just about being pregnant. But even that, I feel like it all has to do with your perspective, your body, with like the circumstances of your pregnancy. Yeah. So interesting. So true. But we'll talk about even it. Even the objective is subjective. Ha 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 ha. Okay. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yay. So. Pregnancy. Pregnancy. How. Barrett, yeah. did you feel when you first found out you were pregnant? And was it planned? Um, so I found out I was pregnant um, about two weeks after it had happened. Okay. And I went to the doctor because... Which is really soon. Which is really early. Because you know your body. <laughs> because you... <laughs> I went... I called the doctor. I was trying not to be a hypochondriac like I am. And I said, I, I've got an enlarged lymph node in my groin. I... It I could it be lymphoma. Wow. <laughs> I was like, but maybe it's not. And they go, well, come on in just to check it out. And so... Um, in Barrett's hypochondriac fashion, I go to the doctor and I just said, you know, I've got these like weird little cramps down there and I've got an enlarged lymph node. So I'm thinking maybe they're connected. (laughs) And, uh, so my doctor, I didn't even see my regular doctor and she walks out of the room and I'm just sitting there in Santa Monica and I'm looking out the window and she comes back in and she's got these things like she's pocket holding these things. And I'm like, okay. She goes, okay. I'm going to go, okay. And she goes, okay. Uh, so these are vaguely positive. And I'm thinking, what is vaguely positive? Yeah, like, what is? Do I have cancer? <laughs> Am I dying now? Like, what oh. is vaguely positive? And she goes, so we we ran a P-test. And these are vague. You, we think you might be pregnant. Oh, oh, my gosh. And. So you didn't go to find out if you were pregnant? No. <laughs> I had done the math. Like, I didn't even think twice. I was like, there's no way I'm pregnant. I didn't think about it one time. Not once. That is Was that an option? So, um, the office did say that they'd never seen a a reaction. She was like, I didn't know if you were going to pass out, if you were going to cry of happiness, if you were going (laughs) to run out the fourth floor, sixth floor window. Like, so... So that's how I found, that's how I ended up finding out. And weren't they like blown away by how well you knew your body too? Well, yeah. She said that what you're feeling is the pregnancy and she was a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of women feel that. Um, she was, I can't believe you're feeling that's that. That's insane to me. That's amazing. And the woman who did the ultrasound, um, she goes, honey, you're not pregnant. You're ovulating. And I go, well, woman, you know, the blood test and the P test are saying differently. <laughs> so. <laughs> and I know my body better than you. Yeah. So bye. And, oh my gosh, wow. And it was interesting because when I went, she asked how old I was and I said I'm 31. And she goes, oh, you're so young. And I was like, really? Am I that? That's kind of, that was that was telling. That was very interesting about telling. Where about we live. Where we live, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, LA. and when I went back in for the second, because it, basically we had to wait another three weeks to see if it stuck. Mm. I went back in and she assumed I was having an abortion. Wow. Yeah. She goes, so are you going to be given the pill or are they going to do the procedure? And I go, oh, I'm actually, I'm keeping it. And she goes, oh God, get your phone out. Get your phone out. Your partner's (laughs) going to want to see this. How was Andrew when you told him? He was amazing. He just, I said. Of course he was. I waited about eight hours and then um, I told, I go, he goes, shut the fuck up. And I go, (laughs) no. And then I started crying and then he just hugged me. And I go, what do you think? And he goes, I think it's awesome. <laughs> but then we didn't talk about it for another week. <laughs> we didn't say a word about it. Oh, my God. Because I think he just knew I needed a minute. But. Oh, my God. Now we're here. I love that. I remember when you told me it was really, I that I'll yeah, never forget that time. You were the either. first person I told. I'm smiling. Yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smiling right now. 
yeah. I remember the it. First wow. person. That's yeah. insane. You, yep, you and Haley. Huge couch. Yeah. When I that weekend. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like, uh, Andrea. Um. <laughs> Guess what? Guess what? <laughs> so you didn't plan this. No. Uh, so uh, in my eyes, I didn't plan it. Uh, <laughs> our therapist would beg to differ. He goes, mm, I don't know. I would also slightly beg to differ. Haley begs to differ too. <laughs> she goes, Barrett, you've, you've you've definitely talked about wanting to have kids. Yeah, but yeah, I guess so. I think, but in my mind, this was just a total surprise. And it's, and at first, and I was yeah. a bit. I didn't know how to. Um, I kind of because it was such a because it happened the way it did, and I'm so happy it happened that way because I'm not sure if I ever would have thought like, oh yeah, hey, this is a great time to do this. Yeah. Um, because we live in LA, and you can fill your time with any little menial, trivial thing you want, <laughs> and it seems like the most important thing in the world. You sure can. <laughs> not saying that is menial or trivial, but well, you know, sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, and really, I think I go back to your mom saying that, like, when she had you, she was living on a cot, and it, she was like, there is no good time. Yeah. And that stuck with me. You know, I've heard that so many times, that story, that there is never a really good time, you'll never have enough money, you'll never have enough time, be young enough, whatever it is, have enough knowledge, but when she said it, thanks, Mama Donner, yeah, it really thanks. hit me. Well, so it's interesting, though, because you don't, you think, yeah, well, you lived in a different time. There, we, there, you just, but honest to God, there is no, I, I fully, full heartedly believe that now. Because I think, I think what it ends up meaning is that whatever it is you think, or this is how I felt, whatever it was that I was waiting for. I want to be cast in another movie, or mm. I'm gonna be in two episodes of a show. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, f- like finish writing this script, or I'm gonna travel to Portugal and, you know, or do whatever. All those things are yeah. still coming to you if that's what you want in your life. It's, um, it's just whatever it was that I was waiting for didn't exist. Ooh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and you know, like, well, okay. So also with pregnancy and having kids, healthy humans procreate unless there is a compelling reason not to. Right? Right. Well, that's what we're learning learning through therapy. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I've gotten. Yeah. Me too. And, but you, but do you want, but it's, it's a really weird thing to think about that. Well, no, I am, I, it's, well, what if I don't procreate until I get all these things, these, these, these checks, done. these right. checks, check marked boxes right. done, you know, but that might not be what our actual, I don't want to say it. What our actual, what purpose? Like our body's purpose. Well, our body's purpose. Right. It's, it's as human beings, we're all just trying to survive on this planet, and we have this primal instinct to survive. So we have survival tactics, coping mechanisms, all this stuff. It's like my biggest takeaway of therapy, and like one of our major things that we have in order to survive is to procreate. <sighs> Coming into therapy when my therapist was talking about this, I'm like, what the fuck? No. There's more to life than having a fucking kid. Ew. But I'm not saying, it's just that our reproductive organs and having the power to create life is just, is a powerful thing. We are extremely, extraordinarily, extraordinarily powerful as females. Whether we use our reproductive organs or not, that is just a tool that we have to survive. And it's, it's an incredible, amazing thing and that's what we also are not taught that oh if you if you go back to i don't know what you're i don't even know what they even think they're doing in sex sex (laughs) (laughs) whatever they it is just it's it's blasphemous that's like you i mean society and sex ed like do men and women a disservice right because it stops before 
before pregnancy. Yeah. It's they, like, you just don't do it. Yeah. They're like, this is how, <laughs> this is how you get so pregnant. Sex. These are all the ways not, don't have sex and don't get pregnant. They don't go into, wow, your body is physically creating another human being. Do you think, sorry to cut you off. Cut me off. Um, do you think if people, like if teachers were to say, so when you become pregnant, you have to pump twice the amount of blood through your system so you get really hungry, You your body changes, you're not going to have as much time for yourself telling that to teenagers, would that need be more of a deterrent to not have sex, like what they're trying to do in sex ed? So why not? Like, why not talk teach, about, like, teach what the body goes through? Goes through. I think that's brilliant. I don't know. And <laughs> maybe we should start a sex, sex ed. ed. <laughs> yes. Sex ed with Barrett and Andrea. Barrett and Andrea. Hello. <laughs> I'm um, not pregnant. That, I never had a kid, but I'm teaching you about it. But that's what they do. It's they like do. Yeah. But male gym teachers who have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. I mean, and then they also don't talk about how incredible, like, the bond. Now, now a pregnancy can do one of two things with your partner. I mean, it can either strengthen it or ruin it. I don't know. But there's a bond you create with with another, like, with your person, um, with your, like, whether you're married or not. It's, I think I've seen it with you and Andrew. It's been really cool to witness how you guys just seem like you're growing together there's like this new connection or bond between you two i think there is too you think so yeah and we're not married yes i think and at this point and i and i love i love our relationship the way that it is like i don't think yeah their marriage and having a baby at this point are two very different things for me um just fully but they are different things yeah they are yeah in my in my mind but not for everybody. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, the sex ed thing is, it's, it's so, offensive. Yeah. So has your uh, perspective of having a kid changed? And when did it change? Um, yes, it has. I think when I first found out I was pregnant, uh, it, I, I, I kind of felt plucked out of the life that I was on this like path. I was on this another hamster wheel <laughs> of that that thing of like waiting for something to happen or like yeah. my life to happen, and and I think that was a small minded way of thinking for myself. Mm. Um, and you know, I never even sat down to have a conversation with myself about having a child. Like I never sat and thought, Hey Barrett, do you, do you want to have kids? Um, I always saw myself surrounded by kids. I love kids. I've, I've grown up. You're so great with kids and you've had like sisters and brother. Yeah. And And you have, so you just, I mean, so are you and you, you see, you see that, but I'm here with kids. Yeah. You're just great with kids. Would you adopt? I would absolutely adopt, would you? I could so see you doing it. I think so. Yeah. I haven't really thought too much about it. What you're saying right now, like you hadn't really thought about it, it's really hitting me. I think I've thought more about adopting than I've thought about actually having my own children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I never, but, you know, I think I kind of felt like there was a part of me died Mm. or was killed off. Yeah. And... But at the end of the day, I think that a part of me was killed off. And it was that small-minded belief system. <sighs> so it was a really good thing to say, Asala, fucking bye-bye. <laughs> like, I feel like my world is getting so much a bigger. A fucking men, soul sister, that, yes. I feel like my life is getting so much bigger with this just little being growing inside You got of off the hamster wheel. Yeah. And I just, I, so. Open stuff up. Yeah, so what I was afraid, whatever it was I was afraid of or putting off or not living my life, now I really feel like I'm on track to live my life. Not wait for something. Not wait for something. To take the steps towards this huge universe that you now see in a different light. 
damn, I am so inspired right now. But I mean, if you don't want kids, that's that is that's a totally that is not that's not what we're talking about here. Right. No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's not that's one a totally way different thing. to do it. This is just that our spe- like subjective experience of pregnancy had really changed. Has totally changed. And that's so amazing. I love what Andrew said about. Well, he said it a lot better. I was like he he said, yeah, he said that it bared it's more of like a rebirth. Like Aww. you you're reborn and there's a new a new life. It's just all a new life. You're giving new life, you're creating a new life for yourself and for someone else. Yeah. Wow. It's cool. I I feel like our community's gotten tighter or like our just I just feel like our world's gotten bigger. I don't know. And I hope that's how it continues to be. Absolutely. I think it will. Yeah. So, but, oh man. But, you know, aside, like, there's all these things that you kind of feel and you have these opinions about all these things, but your brain actually does really crazy shit. Oh my God. When you get pregnant. Yes, it really <laughs> does. So, I guess we'll kind of take a look at, like, the objective just of being pregnant. Like, what actually happens to your body. And these are kinds of, these are the things that we kind of learned about in therapy. Um, you, you almost learn about the objective part first and then deal with the messed up brain part of it. Like, yeah. your fucked up subjective part. Yeah. So, in therapy, they, he gave us a book called The Female Brain. And he also... He gave us this little, um, is it an analogy? Yeah. Which part? The hardware versus the software? Mm-hmm. I think that would be an analogy. <laughs> yeah, that's an analogy. <laughs> so, talking about a brain and a mind being two different things. So, our brain, in therapy, explained, he explained that it was more like your hardware. Like, if it was a computer, that's your hardware. And then your mind would be the software. So the software is all the stuff you can download through life, like wisdom, experience, circumstances, opinions based on experience. Your brain, your hardwire is the emotional or like the reptilian brain that you already have. It's one of the first things to, uh, to form in your brain. And it's where all of your primal instincts and emotions come into play. And Barrett came up with the, like, when you're hangry. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. But it's your body survival tactic. One of them is to procreate. So when you're not procreating, your reptilian brain gets a little pissed. So your body's, like, gearing up. Like, when you're ovulating, different hormones are rushing through your body. And things are happening for you to be like, oh, damn, that guy over there is super hot. I should probably have sex with him. Because your body is, like, literally trying to talk you into getting pregnant, whether you know it or not. So when you're ovulating, have you ever noticed that you, like, want to have sex more? You find more men attractive? All the all the things. Well, that's your that's nature's little way of trying to, <laughs> trying to procreate. Also, like, with babies, they have pheromones on their head for you to smell it and for you to, like, for you to want that. It's like baby brain. Like be attracted to the pheromones. Like baby brain is a real thing. Your brain has all these different tactics. In fact, it even comes in, it floods into your like subconscious mind by dreaming. I've had so many dreams about having kids, even though me personally, my software or my mind wasn't ready to have kids. Your brain's like, hey, 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 (laughs) let's do this. (laughs) Um, So, anyways, when your brain is going through this after ovulation, if you don't actually get pregnant. There's like a few, two, three days usually for, um, I don't want to say normal body, but the the most regular type of body where you get, some people get PMSy. Those hormones, it's like your body being kind of pissed at you for not yeah, getting, pregnant. getting pregnant this month. Isn't That's that how they explain it in the female brain by Luann Prisendine, which I thought was brilliant that the way she said every. I was like, oh my God, it makes sense because I am... So I'm, you know, you're, I'm angry right now. I'm angry right now. So, uh, it's angry. insane. Our bodies I'm are angry invis- right now. Yeah, we because we really operate on this like subconscious level, and our brain is just amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. It's trying to survive whether we know it or not, and that's one of the ways it does it. Um, oh my gosh, uh, that book that we read in for book club, uh, the sex one. 
it's I just want to say this one thing that I yeah was, please do okay it's a little bit it's not segueing it's it's still it's the same but when we're talking about how when you are ovulating and men start to look more attractive to you um it can be multiple men it doesn't have to necessarily be your husband or your partner it's just mm-hmm. you kind of well, back in the Neanderthal days, and this is another thing they were talking about, have you ever realized that men are less vocal during sex than women? <gasps> Why? Okay. Why? So, I'm so excited. <laughs> that because, I love this, I thought this is so fascinating, because back in the day, monogamy was not a thing. And so when a woman was having sex with a man, she would, like, she's like, so like other men would flock and find her and so the belief was that the the strongest sperm of the most like like the strongest man would penetrate and that's the child you would have so a lot of times they, they they wouldn't know so a woman would have sex with multiple men while she's ovulating and the belief was that the strongest sperm would win but that's why she's like She's like peacocking. Is that how you sound when you have yeah, sex? Yeah, <laughs> But I thought that was just so fascinating. Whoa. Yeah. But it, you know, it's just interesting that you, it's not something you feel guilty about if you're like walking around and you're like, ooh, I'm just like feeling it and I'm feeling yes. you and I'm feeling you and I'm feeling you. It's really you. fun to be honest. It is. It gives you life. It does. Like this vividness or something. Like life seeing... and seeing life in a new color. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a <see>. sexy color. <laughs> a lot of red. A lot of red. <laughs> oh my um, God. So I just wanted to throw in a few more things that I learned about pregnancy through the female brain, which we got because of therapy. One I thought was interesting because you kind of said something similar about how it usually takes a woman about five months to consciously know that they're pregnant. I thought that was amazing. And that one of the ways that them to know is like when the baby starts to kick. When did you like really recognize that you were growing something inside of you? I think I kind of joke around that it took six months to for the initial shock of being pregnant to wear off, but I really that that you is always in line. say that, and that's in line right yeah. with this thing. So that's really interesting. And I do remember the exact day that night that she kicked for the first time, and mm. when you all of a sudden it was the coolest. I was at a play, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, <gasps> this is." What that. play were you at? Um, it was. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was actually about a. It was about pregnancy. Not that's, that's not crazy. why I went, but. Um, and it was just like this little flutter. It almost felt like your body had a, a you know, when you have an involuntary reflex or um, kind of jolt, mm-hmm. it felt like that inside your body, but I knew it wasn't my body doing it. It was something else. So it's this little that's flutter. Crazy. It was cool. Oh, but yeah. I love that you remember the first time. That's really sweet. Um, okay. So something else I thought was interesting was that, first of all, for like, there's such thing as like a mommy brain, you're brain creates new neural pathways for you to have this mom instinct so even if you don't feel like you're ready to have a kid once you are pregnant it just starts to happen and once the baby actually comes out of you there's this release of oxytocin that happens that brings all that feeling of love and euphoria in but also your brain just turns on to mommy brain but also but also 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 There's such a thing as daddy brain, and I thought that was really cool, too. I thought that was cool, too. Do you think Andrew has daddy brain? I, I read that part uh, to him because I was rereading it last night. I read it to him, and it I, he absolutely has it. They, what did it say that they, they're doing? Well, their stuff, they're more focused on, like, physical stuff, making sure that the space is ready and, like, buying you the things you need so that the baby is safe or protected or like has a cradle and stuff like that yeah that's Andrew I'm coming because we've we've got a one bedroom apartment with a a workspace so we've turned it into a studio apartment plus a baby room (laughs) you have the homiest place ever he's he built doors and then he's got a whole list of things that we don't have yet. He ordered this. He's ordered me every single type of pillow you that can imagine. Amazing. Yeah, he's been. But it's, it it makes sense. His with his brain, he's like doing all the things to get the space physically ready. Yeah. Um. Last thing, can I say one more thing? Please say all okay. you want. Um. So the other thing I thought was 
I keep saying the other thing. Like there's, <laughs> there's another more thing. and another thing and another. So, yeah. So your brain doesn't go through this much change since puberty. Some of the changes that happen is that one, there's this like tons of progesterone that is just getting flooded into your body. The sensations of progesterone are similar to Valium. And that's just to keep you kind of happy while you're going through like these intense changes. Once you're pretty late into your pregnancy, the placenta and fetus pump out cortisol um, as high, like as much and as high as if you were doing strenuous exercise. And cortisol you, is a stress hormone, right? Yeah, okay. cortisol is a stress hormone. You also have the progesterone going on. The interesting thing is, though, it doesn't feel like you're going through an intense workout. It's just like this vigilance to be safe, to keep your nutrition up and also to like notice your surroundings oh so your body's on high alert but it doesn't you're not feeling that like through your yeah body. so you've got all these fight or flight chemicals mm. going on but you're not feeling the same reaction that you would in a fight or flight situation situation which i thought was so cool what you just said about um oh well your body doesn't go through as much changes as it does since puberty. Since puberty. And will it ever go brain. through those changes ever again? So it's yeah. like if you choose, well, this is controversial, but if you choose, <laughs> if you choose not oh, to yeah. have children, yeah, you say this. Well, <laughs> I just thought it was so interesting that your brain goes through all of these really crazy changes and once you have a kid, all the neural pathways in your brain have shifted. They become like these major highways that can process all this new information so I guess if you don't get pregnant. pregnant and have a kid, you'll never experience that. You'll miss that. out on part of life, which is interesting. Yeah, it's a choice. Just, just a choice. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> 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 it's really just interesting to think about because we're in this day and age where, I mean, even my my doctor said she goes, you know, we. We live in a place where women highly value their education, as they should, as we should. Yeah. Education and, um, and career. And uh, my doctor is 31, or my previous doctor is 31, okay. and she said, and my doctor now is young too, but she said, I just am trying to tell my friends, do not wait. Like, don't wait for the car. Don't wait for the uh. higher paycheck. Don't wait for the, the diamond ring that's going to replace the Cracker Jack box ring, you know, it's like, don't just, because we don't see the trials and tribulations that it actually takes to get pregnant later on. It's like a lot harder, I think, to get pregnant, period, than you, we may think. Yeah. Um, which by the way, one of us right now is not pregnant, so we're definitely not pushing to get pregnant. It's just interesting to find all of these new things coming out especially living in LA where the thought process is just different I've, than I've, it would be in like where I grew up I mean I've been talking for years about freezing my eggs like I didn't think I really yeah. didn't think about having kids for the next couple several years probably yeah yeah I think until you did it's like I don't know when I will yeah maybe soon but now you're doing it I'm like you're really inspiring me. <laughs> I just, I'm just waiting for that phone call. <laughs> here, Every here. time I tell her I have my period, she's like, "Fuck, no." Um, and another, an, another interesting. I mean, the whole statement: "Healthy humans procreate mm-hmm. unless there is a compelling reason not to." Is didn't you? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, did your dad say something? Oh, yeah. My dad, <laughs> my dad, he's always been like, I'm a breeder. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we're breeders. And uh, he talked about how he had a girlfriend in college who was, I think, a baton twirler. Mm. And he goes, but I, he goes, and I knew your mom. I've known your mom since middle school. And he goes, and I, when I looked at my girlfriend's family, there was a lot of obesity, mental illness, addiction, um, it just was really un- an unhealthy situation. And he goes, she was great, but when I looked at the big picture, uh, it didn't look so bright. And he goes, and I looked at your mom, and her dad was an Olympic athlete, and, you know, they, her brother was an Olympic athlete. Like, you're an amazing athlete now. You really got 
I hope that he was smart. That's about all we've got. (laughs) Not true. Um, But, you know, he goes, so I, he's like, honestly, I mean, obviously I loved your mom and that's, I, that's why we ended up getting married. But he goes, it was a factor in my choice, which I thought was really interesting. That is interesting because some people could say that sounds pretty fucked up, but then at the other part, really life, life can be pretty simple. When we think about it, we're just humans with primal instincts and one is to procreate and one is to find the best mate in order to have longevity in life for that and like have a good life and all of these things. And some of it, it makes sense, you know? Um, And for different people, they want different things. You know, some people may think, oh yeah, athleticism is a big deal for me. Other people may think I want someone who is academic, funny, Right, you think about what you're looking for in, like, your next boyfriend when you're scrolling through Tinder or whatever, and I'm like, I want someone really tall, hot. Or be like, I don't care about that. I want someone who's funny and clever and smart. Definitely different things to look at, and that's completely normal. But that's all about, again, finding the right mate to procreate. Even if you don't think your mind, your software isn't like, okay, time to have a baby, because I definitely don't feel that way, but I've always been like, I'm so attracted to people, you know, and there's, that's part of this, like, instinctual way to find someone you want to have a kid with. Find the right and mate And men to do the procreate. same thing. Find, find the right mate, mate to procreate. Pro- create. Find, find the right mate, mate to procreate. Pro- Ooh, the most annoying guest ever. I'm Not guest. so clammy. <laughs> I'm, I'm sweating everywhere. The most annoying <laughs> host. Yeah. Uh, men also do it too, though. They're, like, looking for, like, a lot of, like, the easy ones are, like, young, boobs, because they'll have enough milk for the kids, like, hips, because they're able to birth Birth. a child. It's so, like, good hair, because that has to do with good genetics. It's so interesting when you actually read about what these things mean and why people are attracted to it. Are men more primal just off the bat? Yeah. They are, right? Well, it's simpler. I I just said, but I think that our communication, we also learned that in the female brain, that our brains look different than a male versus a female. And we have a much larger communication center, I think five times the size of a male's. And then, but males have a ton of testosterone and other stuff that um, can make them very like primal and instinctual and like I want this I take that the strength I need I want I need I want oh, that's I don't a know good. if that made sense but I just it did okay hopefully <laughs> yes we'll see um and then so I guess like if you have a family can you the, the question is can the modern woman have everything family children the career she wants if she wants a career yes I think so well hands let down me know i I'm, we're doing, it's You're happening. You're my guinea pig of how yeah. it works out. I'm so excited. I just, there's not even a question. I don't think, that was kind of a joke because I don't think there's ever going to be a time where it's just going to be like, oh, I choose for you to be like, I, I need to make my life different. You even talked about when you have a kid, you want to bring your child into your life. That's, right? Yeah. Instead of creating a whole new separate just, like a separate thing. And I get that you have you have a separate relationship with your child and your family. Right. And I think I hear that when you when you actually give birth, time kind of just stops and you have this moment this time of just bonding and yeah. where everything just kind of fades away and it's just you and the child, which sounds really That sounds really sweet. It does sound really sweet. And, but at the end of the, you know, but I do want her, I do want to bring her into our life and, and her just be part of the gang, you know? Absolutely. But I do think that, I don't, I do think that I, I can still do everything that I want to do. And I believe that for all women. Yeah. Now, if I didn't have a partner that was supportive in the way that Andrew is, I may feel differently about right. that. Um, I may have a totally different viewpoint. Again, this is our subjective experience. Yeah. And how it's shifted. Because men, men and women have different expectations for what they want and their partner and what they want for their life and what they want for their children. And I, yeah. 
right away, you were just like, you were ready to have this kid. Because, but I know it's it's been a major shift of like recognizing that someone was growing in you and it's going to pop out. Yeah, I kind of just got you just on the train. You did. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, talking about feminism. So Woo. some feminists, uh, for a while it was like no kids. I'm going to focus on my career. Only. There was, there's a couple different waves of feminism. Our therapist went over this with us. The first one. Women can do anything men can do. The second one, women and men are the same. And the third one, women and men are equal, but not the same. So we're going to have a full fem- feminism episode. episode. I believe I'm definitely a feminist. Yeah. Um, just to Full on. dip in. Do you want to go over this part? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, not really. Um, we... Well, it's just shifted from it's the baby shifted. boomers generation, like where everyone is practically like forced to have kids, and if you didn't, you were like exiled. And now we've come a long way, but it's almost gone to the other side in certain areas. In other places, it's definitely not. There's you know still kids, 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 but people are waiting longer or not having kids, and it's more about the um, we tend to champion the idea of a heavy hitter career. And I think a lot of that comes from anger. Um, you know, like back in the day, if if women were forced to be put in these just cookie cutter homes or suburbs or a life that they did not, they were doing because society was putting on them mm. versus just letting them live the lives that they wanted to live. There's this huge amount of anger that ended up swinging that pendulum all the way to the other side. And I think now we're kind of coming back more towards the middle where, yeah, being a mother is the most incredible incredible thing ever I don't I mean I haven't I don't know it yet but I (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's so incredible there's nothing to be I remember saying to my mom or think being like yeah well you're just a mom and that is the worst thing you could ever say because she was always she always said and she's the most I mean she's incredible but she goes the I always wanted to be a mom I just think that's the most incredible thing you could ever choose to do yeah and it's super selfless actually when I was listening to Oprah's podcast she asked Eckhart Tolle what the most selfless oh no it wasn't Eckhart it was someone else but um what the most selfless thing he has ever witnessed and he said um being a mother is the most selfless thing I've ever seen that makes wow but I think a parent in any capacity whether you're I think anyone who takes on a child as their own not necessarily having to give birth. That right. is, that's That's what, just one way. That's just one way. Do you think that through therapy, that's how it shifted from just a mom to mom being the greatest experience? Or was that just your own life influences? Oh, I think both. I think therapy's had a huge impact on... I remember, I remember when a therapist started talking about, talking about pregnancy and me thinking, I don't... That's not what I want to talk about right now. I'm not even thinking about pregnancy. Right. Um, and, but I, I think for, I think in a way he was kind of inferring that you need a change in perspective. Like there's, life is a lot bigger than, life is big. Mm. So... So yeah, so I think through therapy and all the things I've learned in therapy, I was able to take this on in a way that I would have never, I don't think I would have taken on, I wouldn't have taken it on like this had I not been in therapy. Right. That makes sense. That makes complete sense. Yeah. I just, I, the, oh, what was interesting is that I have, um, speaking of feminism and like the wave of feminists, uh, I was in a meeting with a group of six women, and I told them we were having drinks. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm pregnant," and I was the only, only woman in the group who um, was pregnant, who had had, who was having a child. None of them have had children. They were they ranged from like all ages, probably from early 30s to maybe in her mid 50s. Mm. One woman was in and out of therapy because. 
she didn't know if she wanted to have kids and she was about she's about 40 years old that's and why so I she's went to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate. She goes, I don't Yeah, she's like, I'm having I'm having I'm having all these issues about whether I want to have kids or not. She's married. Um, then the rest of them did not don't want kids. And it's funny because it's almost the opposite of in in the fifties or sixties where there'd be one woman who didn't have kids and the whole rest of the of the room would be filled with women with kids. But it was amazing listening to listening to kind of everyone go around and explain why they didn't want children or why they hadn't why they were choosing not to have kids and it wasn't offensive in any way shape or form I just it was just a really crazy experience that's amazing you were able to have this like when people had different viewpoints while you're standing there pregnant and you were able to not find it offensive you're just able to have a conversation yeah because I saw myself in that yeah totally it's so a lot of shifts yeah. with the word pregnancy. Yeah. So, but I thought that was, excuse me, I thought that was pretty, <laughs> it was kind of a surreal experience because it wasn't, that wasn't why we were there at all, you right. know? So it was kind of interesting. But, yeah. So, oh my gosh. Oh, it's so hot. I know, it's so hot in here. Hot. What do I, um, well, okay, so let's talk about. How you do, how did you pregnancy? Is there one right way? Do you think there's one right way? <laughs> no. <laughs> I no, don't either. not at all. I think that I hear about, like, mom shaming and that that's one of, like, the biggest, like, the shaming things that people can do, especially women, to each other. Uh, has that been big in your life now that you're pregnant? Have Ev- you noticed it more? Everyone has an opinion about mm-hmm. everything, and I, I was, and very early on, I had a conversation with myself and I was like, Barry, you're going to do what feels right for you and you're not going to give two shits about what anybody else says. Yes. I think the worst thing you can do is stress yourself out and then you're going to stress your child out. And if Ah. you have someone that you trust their opinions, then by all means. But for the most part, I wanted to make sure that Andrew and I are on the same page and from there, we just move forward. And so I take what everyone says with a grain of salt. Awesome. There's so many things, right? With like alcohol, caffeine, exercise, like getting nauseous, what morning sickness means, how if your bump looks different. Most of it, I think, is pretty um, circumstantial, different perspectives. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're not supposed to get shit-faced and do hit training, high intensity interval training, but like, (laughs) I think there's a lot of things that may differ depending on what doctor you go to. What do you think? Well, no, I haven't, I don't even know any doctor who prescribes the same thing. I haven't met one person who's done their pregnancy the same way. I have not met one doctor who says to do the exact same thing. Is there any doctor that's like no caffeine, no alcohol that you've talked to? Because obviously I'm sure there might be somewhere. Um, Across the board, no alcohol. Um, They said no alcohol. Across the board, they said no alcohol. Now, I I think, (laughs) I honestly think it's, it's, say what you will, I think that they have to say no straight up just because they don't know fully the effects. Mm. Um, there's like tons of different statistical studies. I read this interesting book called the expecting, expecting better where the woman is an economist and she got pregnant and she was super paranoid about what she could drink, what she could eat, what she Mm -hmm. could do that she started studying all those statistical studies and kind of laying out which ones were statistically sound versus which ones had a ton of, um, a ton of parts that are a ton of aspects of the studies that that could have been a factor. Ooh, interesting. Um, so they weren't really adequate studies. Yeah. But again, then there's people, I've read about people who think that she just chose studies that, that weren't adequate. For her, adequate for her, <laughs> you know? But yeah. it, this Expecting Better is written by Emily Oster. And, you know, she kind of found, with, with caffeine doctors, I've, 
I've I've spoken to say one cup a day is fine. Mm. They said that the studies they did on rats with caffeine, the rats were drinking up to 70 cups of coffee a day. No, and rats. the babies had just started showing deformities. That's really sad. So that's an excessive but amount that's of an caffeine. Outrageous amount. Another thing about alcohol, which I find is really interesting, yes. and this is this is something that I think is I love when you told me this. Yeah. Across the board, really important to know, um, especially for kids in college, and when you when you talk about binge drinking, um, it's when you binge drink. That's when your body cannot adequately digest the alcohol and that's when the poison ends up getting into your bloodstream and that's when it affects your fetus so it's it's not necessarily about how much you drink versus how quickly you drink Mm -hmm. now obviously everyone has different opinions here like my great aunt she was my grandmothers and her sisters were drinking martinis with their toes in the baby pools and smoking <laughs> cigarettes, you know, and everyone turned out just fine. Just fine. Um, so there's that, or there's, you just got to do what's right, what's right for your own body, you know? Right. And then I think there's just so many, there's different things. Like there's other, I guess, myths. I heard that the myth of like, if it's a boy, your stomach will look a certain way. And if it's a girl, it'll be lower, mm-hmm. like your bump will be lower. But then a few people that were pregnant said they talked to their doctor and said that was a myth. And then I'm reading in, like, the female brain book, I was looking at how, like, cert- certain smells you can be super uh, sensitive to. And that's your body uh, being afraid that you could hurt the fetus with certain foods. And also that there's just, like, this new flux of hormones. But, like, for a lot of my friends, they didn't have crazy cravings or sensitive to smell I think a lot of it is very subjective in pregnancy I haven't really had any well one of the things I read that I was like oh crap this isn't me as they said um if you have morning sickness that's a sign of a a healthy healthy pregnancy yeah and in expecting better she actually goes she goes through that in a way where it does say like yeah it is a healthy pregnancy if you're experiencing um if you're experiencing morning sickness but I didn't have any morning sickness whatsoever so then you like get that into your mind and you're thinking but then I know moms who have had who have had two kids and one with the girl she was super sick and with the boy she was super fine Mm. so again it's just I think if there's other factors factoring into why you may be feeling morning sickness that also are inclined to healthy pregnancies yes yeah but have you heard of the, it's like, what's it called? The designer babies? <gasps> oh, oh my God. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is so, so I was, oh my gosh. I went to the high-risk doctor because I have placenta previa, which is where my placenta is low-lying over my cervix. Yeah. Um, and I asked about, she goes, oh, is this going to, is this a natural pregnancy? And I said, I, I guess so, yeah. And she goes, versus in vitro. And I said, yeah. And I said, well, how, you know, what percentage of, of pregnancies do you see that are natural versus in vitro? And she said, probably about half and half that come through this office. And I said, oh, I go, well, is it primarily older women or is it, she goes, no, we have women in here from 24 to their mid 40s and 50s. And I was like, wow. And she goes, and the 24 year olds are coming in here so that they can choose the sex of their baby. What? Which blew me out of the water. And I was thinking, can that even be legal? Like, did you think that should be legal? Wow. A girlfriend, Christina of mine, she did, she went in vitro in Spain. And I remember having this conversation with her that she said it was illegal in Spain. So I looked it up on the interweb. <laughs> and it is illegal in South Africa. It's illegal in Germany. I think it's illegal in Spain because of my conversation with Christina. It's illegal in Canada, but apparently in the United States, it's not. And they're calling it designer babies, and it's a multi-bazillion dollar man industry. Um, and that basically, if you pay upwards of twenty thousand dollars, you can you can secure the sex of your child. And at that point, it's like, all right, do you want blue eyes or green eyes? 
Mm-hmm. Um, which you can do too. Which right? you can, which I think you can do. I'm pretty yeah. sure I've heard you can do that too. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's wild, wild, yeah. wild, wild. Yeah, so I don't know how I feel about that, honestly. I, sounds sketch, but I haven't put much thought into Me that. Me either. So. And, but if it's health, if it's health things, like if it's health reasons, yeah, that's a different, different story. Right. Uh, if it's choosing the sex, I mean, basically you could, you could get rid of a whole sex, basically. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah, so. Mm. Well, so I feel like our perspective of pregnancy has definitely shifted. Like, I went to to therapy because I had a different view of um, having kids than I do now. I was scared to have kids, but I thought I should have kids because I lived in the Midwest and all my friends were having kids. That was two years ago, and it's completely shifted in that in, like, a lot of different ways. And then we were kind of interested to know, like, what our friends thought to who had children because a couple of these girls, we didn't know if this was, like, uh, was, like, what they were, they always wanted to do. They all live in different parts of the country. One's in Indiana, one's in Virginia, and one is in Los Angeles. Two are in therapy and one is not. So we asked a few different questions. The question I asked my friend who lives in Indiana, she has two children, is uh, how do you feel about your fertility, having kids? Do you want any more children? Uh, and can you explain why you have chosen chosen that path and if you always felt that way? She said, I feel like having children is a never-ending job that you love and hate at the same time. It's so important to do it right. And it takes a lot of patience. Love usually comes naturally, but patience does not. At least not for me. That's why we decided to stick with two. I want to be able to do things with each kid and with the type of personality I have. I don't think I could enjoy my children if I had more than two. It sounds very busy and stressful. I did I'd always want four and wished for four, but realized two was good. One for each parent type of thing. Ha ha. Um, I said, thank you. Did you always know you wanted kids right away? Nope. I never really thought about kids until Adriana showed up. How did you feel about that when you found out? I didn't want them. I just wasn't about having kids. It was one of those, like, if it happens, yay. If it doesn't, meh. I was really mad at first because I thought I was being careful and I had so many plans. It felt like my whole life was going down. And then I realized it was going to fix itself and I got a scent a baby for a reason. So I tried to see it that way and change my state of mind so I wouldn't pass that to the baby. That's... I wouldn't pass that to the baby. So she wouldn't pass it to the baby. She just did a document. You listened to a doc or watched a documentary, right? Talking about what the baby can feel, get passed on, and feel from you. Yeah. So it's incredible that she she decided that she was going to change her perspective or change her opinion so that she didn't pass it down. That's pretty awesome. Talk about Oprah's podcast being selfless as a mother and doing things for someone else. Thanks, Juliana, for your answer. Thanks, Juliana. Um, La Croix. La Croix. Uh, so I spoke with a really dear friend, Christina Giagos, who lives across the street, and she just had a baby girl about three months oh, ago. Beautiful. Oh my God, just little little nugget. <laughs> and she she goes fertility college essay for Barrett. I asked her this question. <laughs> she goes, you know, this is a college essay, right? Um, but this is what she had to say about her fertility and her, her path with pregnancy. Fertility and babies, what a complicated subject for me. In retrospect, I think I always wanted to have children, but for so long I couldn't picture my reality with them, or rather I couldn't see how I would get there. I went through a dark depression in my mid-twenties that prevented me from seeing a bright future. I also believed for a long time that if I actually hit milestones in life, like getting married or having children, I would be closer to death, so I consequently avoided them. I know this is totally insane, and to answer your question, I do see a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) I was also depressed about officially being diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome when I was around 27 years old, although I had always known I had it. My mother has... My mother has it, and I had all the symptoms. Acne, excessive facial hair, which she did. Uh, Irregular (laughs) periods. And I only recently learned that anxiety and depression were symptoms as well. I wish someone had told told me that sooner as I would have known where some of my anxiety was coming from, and I could have been treated instead of just feeling ashamed and guilty all the time. 
All of this, of course, contributed to my infertility, which came into play at around the age of 35 when my husband and I started trying to get pregnant. It took three laborious years of doctors in their ineptitude, a naturopath who she loved, more doctors, hopefulness, despair, and finally a successful trip to Spain to do IVF. It was so hard for me to let go of what my therapist calls woman number one, mm. which we which we'll talk about that in another episode, yeah. uh, which is the part of us that are career driven and want to achieve a certain level of success. Maybe my holding on so tightly to her was a subliminal way of coping with my infertility. Who knows? What I'm experiencing now with motherhood is an incredible sense of purpose. I am exhausted by the end of every day, and I can't wait to do it all again every morning. It's already going too fast, even Mm -hmm. though the days are so long. My little girl's smile fuels my fire for life in a renewed way. Holding her little body against mine is like a battery charger for my heart. I fall more in love every day with her in this new life. Life feels like an adventure again. Mm, thanks, Christine. That was, like, so real and honest and really appreciative of that answer. Yeah. Thanks, Keeks. Oh, my gosh. And That's then cute. Keeks, her, mm-hmm. her sister's kids call her Keeks. Um, and so, and then Annie, my dear friend, my college girlfriend. <gasps> Hi, Anne. <laughs> Annie. Hi, Annie. I love her. Um, she's in Virginia. And this was her answer. Fertility, thank goodness, has never really been an issue for us. We got pregnant super easily the first time around and hoping and praying we have the same success for the second, which we have started working for. My sister has endometriosis, which has sucked, and so she had a natural baby and she's had an IVF babe. So I saw that secondhand through her and how that can affect um how that can affect you being a woman and that sucked but they have two healthy children so that's amazing and to me it doesn't really matter how babies come into the world as long as they have devoted parents who love them and that's the most important Mm. honestly I think I've always wanted kids but haven't really spent much time thinking about it I feel like that's kind of similar across the board ha ha the last few years obviously I have thought it more thought about it more because of Chase but not a girl who sat around for years thinking about my husband and kids Since I have had wit, it's absolutely made me want more kids, without a doubt. I think we have decided on two total, but if we were to have more, we would make it work. Unfortunately, you do have to think about finances and all these days, which sucks playing a part in a family, but we feel like these days it's true. Life's expensive, and so are kids. (laughs) I'm losing my voice. (laughs) I'm assuming my love for kids came from growing up with a brother and a sister and going to an all-girls camp. Camp Allegheny. (laughs) I make fun of her. And growing up being a counselor and a tennis coach, teaching tennis to all age children. I also love being a PICU nurse because I love kids and love watching kids heal. I love the work of medicine and what it can do. I've never worked with a therapist, but maybe I should start. (laughs) Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Annie. Those are just a couple, three incredible women who have had children and their experience as they went through it yeah like before and now where they're at do you think there's like if you could sum up how your how your perspective has shifted you could Mm. I think just have a conversation with yourself about it absolutely I think just at like just sit with yourself and look and and do some thinking, thinking. Of what it would be. Yeah. Yeah. And then just go for it. I think that's one of mine, too, before going in. I went to therapy because I couldn't see myself having kids, but I thought that I should have kids. And I was like, oh, it's because I can't have kids. Like, I don't think I'm physically able, which was not the case. I am. Or I, I have been able to conceive or have kids um but I realized that all of this stuff like dominant culture family just other influences in life had been piled on top of my own and I never had like a real conversation with myself to see how I actually viewed pregnancy and Mm -hmm. having kids so then I kind of split off the whole do I want kids and just told myself that I couldn't have kids Really, for no actual reason. Like, it, I, it's kind of crazy what your brain does to protect itself, which is insane. But 
what you just said of like having an honest conversation with yourself to see if you want kids. Maybe it's your parents who are forcing you to have kids or maybe that you thought you weren't ready for kids when really it could just you killing off a certain part of yourself, making room for a bigger part of yourself. yourself. And then the other thing is viewing life in a different way as these just, we are just these humans who have natural instincts and uh, one of our greatest attributes to life is to procreate. Our reproductive organs are some powerful shit. Whether we use them or not, there's something to be um, proud of. Yeah, they are. It's something to be proud of. So whether you use them or not. Females are cool, man. Yeah. Whether you use it or, or not. To acknowledge it and to know it and to actually be intentful, yeah. intentional. Yeah. I think that's, my perspective through therapy has definitely changed. Absolutely. With, with, in with the regards word pregnancy, to pregnancy. Kids. Yep. Yes. The I'm idea so of being a mother. For you. Thanks. To have a little babe. We've got a babe. Say we have a baby coming. We have a baby coming. <laughs> we all have a baby coming. So that's our freaking podcast, Adventures of Therapy. And also, I just wanted to bring up again, um, for because my brother's best friend committed suicide, that if there is something you're going through, you're not alone. We want to take the stigmatism out of going to a therapist, uh, getting help with your mental health. It's so important. And it's so important to reach out to talk because we all just want that connection to be loved, to be accepted. We're all in this thing together. Yeah. If you see something, say something. Um, yeah. Also, there's a suicide hotline number just in case, too. If you're feeling any sort of way, it's 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Therapy is cool. Therapy is cool. What? What? Therapy is cool. Therapy is cool. Yeah, yeah.